When I hear something amazing, oh, and feel free to tell your friends too. So Kohl's, they're having a huge sale on summer stuff. And if you live for sunny days like I do, you need to check it out. I got 40% off a new patio set, Food Network grilling essentials for 20% off, and 50% off those yard games my kids won't stop talking about. Best part? I got an extra $10 off and some Kohl's cash. It almost makes being cooped up all winter worth it. Almost. Select styles. 10 off 25 offer valid May 27th through 31st. Some exclusions apply. See store or Kohl's.com for details. Hello and welcome to another episode of the GC Sunscast. I'm your host Shane and thanks for joining me on the Gold Coast Suns fan show. Uh, I'd like to start off by thanking our Patreon donors, Jack's dad, Dale Snelling, Paul Vosti, Robbie Fiorini, Brody Burgess, Kate Kelland, Chris Moore, Tom Kim and Tim. Thanks for joining us on Patreon. You can head over to patreon.com forward slash GC Sunscast and show some support there. Otherwise, like, subscribe, and review on uh, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, and wherever you like to get your podcasts from. Now, today's guest is a co-host of AFL Exchange and journalist for AFL Media. Welcome to the show, Riley Beveridge. Thank you for having me, Shane. Looking forward to it. Uh, I know you've had Mitch and Cal from AFL Exchange on before, so I was waiting for my call-up, and I'm, I'm glad to be on. Fantastic. Well, hopefully you won't disappoint us. Mitch and Cal were great, and I'm sure you will be too. Uh, interesting timing for you to come onto the show because you are a blue supporter as well as um, I believe you did purchase the Suns membership like the other boys did earlier this year. So you sort of got your foot in both both sides of the uh, of the game from the weekend. How did you think the Blues and the Suns game went? Uh, yeah, it was an interesting contest. I I felt a bit for Gold Coast. I mean, it, it just looked like they were out on their legs, and, and that's what you can expect with a, a four-day break into the game. It was, I think it was their fifth game in 19 days. So I, I don't know about you, but I just felt they looked leggy right from the start and obviously had that goalless opening term, and that sort of set the tone for the rest of the game. So hopefully they can rebound from that this week because I just think they've been better than what they than what they performed on Friday night. And I think it'd be really disappointing given they went up to Darwin. They've obviously got that that partnership with Darwin now and they'll have some academy prospects come through Darwin over the next couple of years. So I think they'll be disappointed with their showing up at TIO. But look, they're certainly on the right track and, and I think they've got a really bright future at the club. Yeah, I agree. Uh, it's not great uh, watching the sort of football that was dished up. I thought it was a pretty poor game, uh, mm. the conditions. Um, but Carlton were the ones that made the most of the sweaty, humid conditions, and they honestly looked like they controlled the ball very well, considering uh, the Suns just couldn't lay their hands on it. Um, you saw Jack Martin on the footage before the game started, and him and all the other boys were just so sweating so much, it looked like they jumped out of a pool. Yeah, it was exactly like that. I actually think it took, it took both sides probably a bit longer to adjust to the conditions than I thought it might. I mean, you, you almost had to play that game as though it was a wet weather, rainy game, just how much it was, it, every player was sweating and the ball would have had sweat on it. And then also on the broadcast, they, they mentioned a couple of times it was really dewy at the ground, on ground level. So I think it took both sides. I, I actually thought even Carlton tried to overpossess the footy a bit too much in the opening stages. And, and they were the sort of ones to, to figure it out the quickest in that second quarter. And, 
and sort of start to move the ball and look for, for yardage and territory as opposed to just trying to over-control it off half-back. So I was a bit surprised by how long it took the, the two sides to adjust the conditions. But as you mentioned, it, it wasn't a great spectacle. No, it wasn't. Um, and it, it wasn't helped by the, the Suns sort of uh, not showing the energy that they've brought in previous games. Uh, the final score was Gold Coast Suns, four goals, three, 27, defeated by Carlton, seven goals, eighteen sixty. Um I don't know whether you want to comment on this, but the free kicks, I thought, were pretty consistent, but the hands in the back rule seemed to have gone missing. Um, yeah. So that was a bit confusing, um, but at least it was consistent. I thought both sides had opportunities where they could have claimed hands in the back. Um and the the three games in nine days for the Suns, it was probably a telling performance if you look at that stat compared to the 21 days that Carlton had three three games. Mm, yeah, I completely agree. I thought, as I mentioned off the top, that's what I thought a pretty significant difference was. And I actually thought it was very noticeable even from the first quarter. I mean, you might have expected that they'd, they'd start strong but taper out given it was, as you mentioned, the third game in nine days and, and the fifth game in 19 days. But... They, they looked leggy right from the start, Gold Coast, and, and I thought Carlton got the jump on them there. But, I mean, do you balance it out by the fact that maybe... Like, Carlton did go from... I think they were from Queensland to WA. They hubbed in WA. They went back to Queensland. Then they went to Darwin in that 19-day stretch as well. So, look, it, it, it's a really unique season, and I'm not actually sure whether or not travel um, takes it out as much as you, as you as it might have in previous seasons when you don't have to do it as much, or or if those games in the condensed days is actually the bigger factor there. I, I thought from, from Friday night, the games in condensed days was, was a much bigger factor than travel, just in terms of how tired Gold Coast looks right from the outset. And you expect that with younger bodies, and they've still got a lot of younger players. And I think that's the sort of misconception about Carlton. They're actually a very experienced and older team with a lot of older heads in that side. I mean, look at Cade Simpson and, and Ed Kerno, Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy was probably best on ground for the Blues. So... A lot of experience in that side who are used to that sort of having the, the, the travel through their legs. So um, Gold Coast, they'll, they'll sort of adjust to that. I think it'll be a good learning curve for them in terms of how they prepare going forward, especially if they have a run like this in the future, which you probably wouldn't expect them to have such a severe run of five games in 19 days, though. No, I hope we don't see anything like that again as far <laughs> as the intensity. I don't mind the footy frenzy, maybe two or three mm-hmm. uh, rounds condensed into two weeks. Um, but... Yeah, it it was probably a bit much. Uh, Jack Martin made his return against the Suns for the first time since he left in contentious style. Uh, he played a pretty good game for Jack Martin, I thought. Um, just over the 20 disposals, he, he seemed to have an impact. But I, at the same time, I was still impressed with the likes of uh, Butterick, Ballard and Powell curbing the influence of Betts and Martin. Uh, in that game and Lukosius and Ainsworth looked really strong when they went forward yeah completely agree I mean uh, you mentioned Connor Budrick there he's one that I watched him actually quite a fair bit at junior level last year and was quite impressed by him knowing that he was a Gold Coast product he 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 sort of flirted with being a midfielder in his junior season but he's sort of adapted to that small defender role really well and I think I mean there's been a lot of positives for Gold Coast this year I know it's tapered off sort of the last six weeks but but there's been a lot of positives, and I actually think he's been one of the more underrated ones. He got that Rising Star nomination early in the season, and I actually think it's very hard to find small defenders who you can lock in each and every week because you don't go out and think, I'm going to draft a small defender with a first-round draft pick. 
it, it's just sort of almost like an afterthought. You tend to get them with later picks. I mean, you look at the best small defenders in the game over the years, guys like Nick Smith at Sydney and Neville Jetta at, at Melbourne. None of them have been high draft picks. So it's actually hard to lock down and find one that's going to be a consistent player for a long period of time. And I think Connor Budrick's certainly one that Gold Coast has on their hands and, and they'll be hoping it can be a 200-game player now, I reckon. Yeah, they definitely will. He's come along in leaps and bounds. Um, and he's he's filling a position the Suns have really struggled with since they came into the competition. Uh, small forwards have always seemed to get the better of the Suns and we've never really had the answer. Um, Betts has been one of those players that has made life hell for Suns. Um, and you guys on AFL Exchange look like you're going to have a segment next week about uh, players that have had the best of uh, off an opposition yeah. team. I think Eddie Betts against the Suns, his uh, track record would prove that he's probably up there. Mm. Well, he certainly he threatened as well on, on the weekend. There was a couple of moments where the ball, maybe it was that slippery ball that slipped through his hands and he had a couple where he was trying to run rings around players on the boundary line. He threatened it, but... I think Connor probably did enough to, to negate his influence on the contest in the end. Yeah, with the help of Charlie Ballard as well, um, I, I think they really curbed his influence, which could have been deadly if uh, Betts got on the run. Um, yeah, a number of criticisms from that game for the Suns. They they just weren't in it, I think, contested-wise or uncontested. Uh, there was Carlton had 95 more disposals. Uh, seven more clearances, 27 more inside 50s. Um, it, it wasn't a great look for the Suns and what we've seen from them. Um, and all four games, uh, all four goals came from the back half. Usually we get those goals coming from score, um, stoppages, but yeah. all four of those goals came from generating run off the back half with the help of Lukosius. So... Definitely a change in the way that the Suns would normally play, and you probably put that down to them being tied combined with Carlton really doing their homework and uh, mm. stopping the Suns from doing what they do best. Well, yeah, I, I found that interesting. And, and a couple of points you raised there in terms of all four of their goals coming from the back half, I reckon that's pretty unsustainable. Football's become over the last three or four years a real forward half game and a forward 50 game where you look at the best sides like Richmond and their ability to pressure inside 50. And I've, I've just found it interesting that I reckon that's an area Stuart Jews particularly targeted the last couple of weeks. Like Alex Sexton, for example, him getting drops and coming out of this side, I mean, obviously he's a pretty consistent goal kicker and he's proved that over a long period of time. But just the forward pressure has been non-existent on occasions from Sexton. And, and the fact that he's out of the team suggests to me that that's an area that Stuart Jew wants to prioritise and and he's trying to make a point and saying, look, you can kick all the goals that you want, but if you're not going to apply this forward 50 pressure, you're not going to be in the side. So I found that really interesting, his omission over the last couple of weeks, and I think that's probably why. He's probably trying to put a focus on on scoring from inside 50, and the fact that they weren't able to do that against Carlton is probably a worry for him, I reckon. Yeah, there's been a few players uh, rotating through that section of the ground. Uh, Darcy McPherson hasn't had a look in for a few weeks now as well, and that was an area that he excelled in. Um, Sean Lemons has been in and out of the side. Um, the Suns are just struggling to get that consistency in that part of the ground, which they thrived early in the season with. So it's going to be interesting to see how they pull up and how they go forward. I think that probably brings me to a, another AFL Exchange segment that I'd like to bring up with the help of you, Riley. Things yep. that should happen. 
So we're going to do a Gold Coast Suns-themed things that should happen. And I think it's time that the Suns allow some of the uh, fringe players a chance to have a look at the AFL side. Uh, Peter Wright hasn't played a game all season. Will Brody hasn't played since round one. Uh, There's just a lot of talent sitting there that could come in and um, maybe not necessarily have an impact straight away because the lack of practice matches has really hampered development, I think but give them a chance to gain some sort of form heading into the end of the season. Yeah, I, I like that idea. I mean, there's been there's been a couple, and I think, like, look, you mentioned a couple there, like Will Brody and and and, um, and Peter Wright, and I agree, they're, they're obviously high picks and on highly rated young players, but I think that's a testament to Gold Coast's depth and their growing depth this year. They haven't got a game, which is a good thing, but I agree. I mean, especially now... You'd have to think there's going to be suitors for both of those players, particularly in Victoria. They're both Victorian prospects at the end of the year. If they're not getting a game, there might be clubs who want to give them a second chance at AFL level at the trade table later this year. I think if you're a Gold Coast, if you're, if you're part of Gold Coast at the moment, you just got to find out if these players, you've got to give them a sink or swim period. You've got to say, look, you've got the last four games now. Go out there, show us why you should have an extended career with us. Otherwise, it might be in Gold Coast's best interest to find Peter Wright a new home at the end of the year, for example, and sort of say, what can we re- recoup from Peter Wright? Can we get an early, an earlier, early-ish pick back in return for him and, and try and invest that in some other way? Because, I mean, he's not helping him in the reserves at the moment. And he's, he's certainly a player with highly rated talent. Oh, I reckon if I was to give you a thing that should happen, I don't know how you feel about this, but my, my thing for Gold Coast that should happen, I wouldn't give up on finals just yet. And I know, I know it's a long way back and Gold Coast probably have to win their last four games to make finals or to even give themselves a shot. But there's very, very winnable games in these next four or five weeks for the club. So North Melbourne and Hawthorne, you'd probably pencil them in as favourites. Collingwood, probably without steel side bottom, they'll still have no Jordan to go in, no Jeremy Howe. They're gettable. And North Melbourne went with him for a half last night. So there's no, chance, there's no reason why they couldn't beat Collingwood on their day. And I know Brisbane's a tough game and it's they're going to be among the premiership fancies, but I honestly think that anything can happen in those Q clashes and, and with the with the intensity and with the rivalry that they've built over the last six or seven years, you, if you get a bit of a run on, you beat North Melbourne, you think to yourselves, right, let's give ourselves a chance. And in the end, you might win four games to end the season and still not make it, but the, the pressures involved in a finals campaign, having a finals chase like that, will be invaluable for these young players going forward. So I get your point in terms of maybe giving some fringe players a go to end the season, but I reckon there'd be a part of Stuart Jew that'd be thinking in his mindset, no, you know what, we've done the hard work. Let's unleash our players and say, give it a red-hot crack. Try and win our next couple and see where it leaves us with a fortnight to go in the season. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if they did that. We've seen over the last footy frenzy that they haven't taken the opportunity to rest players when they could have. Um, and that's honestly surprised me. I think they've used a to- uh, 32 players throughout the whole year when mm. they've had plenty of opportunity to rest a bunch throughout the footy frenzy and rotate players through. But they seem to be very much of the mindset, put our best side out in the park at all times. So if they were to continue doing that and push for finals, I wouldn't be against it. I just I see it a bit unlikely. So, but it's mm. good to good to hear some positivity from you, Riley, about the Suns. <laughs> so, yeah, let's keep bringing it on. Um, all right. So, 
want to ask you some of your memorable moments with the Suns. Have you reported yep. on anything or interviewed any of the players or staff that sort of stood out to you as something that was pretty special? Well, I think you mentioned off the top that I'm a Gold Coast member this year. Um, and I'd say a memorable moment is probably the reason for that is that I think I was speaking to Craig Cameron, obviously Gold Coast list manager at the end of last season on air on, uh, on AFL.com.au's draft show and actually told him that, that if they went out and, and had a bold trade period and, and, and got something along with, because I think at that stage we all knew that Real and Anderson were going to be sons, but I wanted to see them just be daring. They just got that compensation package from the AFL and I wanted to see them, the club sort of say, no, you know what, look, we're going to try and fast track this. This is how we're going to do it. And just a couple of trades that they made in terms of getting Sam Flanders to the club, who I love, and I couldn't believe he slipped to where Gold Coast managed to get him at last year's draft. I thought he'd be a top five pick for sure because he's got the... I don't want to say he, he is like Dustin Martin, but he's like those Dustin Martin, Christian Petrarca type of players where it wouldn't surprise me if at his best in three or four years' time, he's bursting through the midfield and then just going to the goal square and just playing as that deep one-out forward. And he's the type of player that is very hard to match up on with his size and he's very lethal around goal. He showed that in the, in the NAB League last season. So I was wrapped they went out and got him. And then the next day, just, just taking their chances and giving up that pick 11 for, for Jeremy Sharp... I wasn't as high on Jeremy Sharp as, as other players in the draft. I wasn't. I, I didn't necessarily um, think that he was worth the trade that they, they gave up and the pick 11 they gave up for him. But just the fact that they went out and did it and said, no, nah, look, we rate this player highly. We've done the scouting on him. We trust our judgment on this. And we're going to go out and make a really bold move. I love that. And that's ultimately why I ended up becoming a Suns member because I had the chat with, uh, with Craig Cameron the next day and said, no, nah, you know what? I'm going to follow through on it. I really like what you did. Yeah, you got to respect the the balls to to make gut trades like that. They'd just been handed pick eleven for next year, was it? And uh, yeah, a whole bunch of other picks, and it, it surprised a few that they gave up so much for some of these players. I think, with the exception of Sam Flanders, we we all knew Sam Flanders was had the potential to be a star. And yeah. uh, I was surprised Sydney passed on him at five. But, um, mm. yeah, the Jeremy Sharp one took a few by surprise. But he's, from all reports, he's come into the club and he's really delivered. They're, they love what he's doing. And we saw a bit of him in the uh, preseason. And he really looked to, to set the world on fire when he did come on and provide the Suns with something that they had lacked up until this year, which was a genuine winger. So yeah. it was good to see him come in. And yeah, I agree that the drafting movements in the last 12 months has been sensational. Uh, you also look at the blokes like uh, Hugh Greenwood as well, you know, mm-hmm. um, what they've been able to get out of him and out of Brandon Ellis. Would you say Brandon Ellis has had a, a career best year? Yeah, well, certainly. I mean, I think he's, I think he's really flourishing from an individual point of view through in that inside role. I mean, he, he played so often on a half-back flank and on a wing for Richmond. I think since he's made the move to a pure on-ball and he can win more of the contested ball, I think he's showing what he can do in that area. The other thing that I just wouldn't... There's so many... And obviously, Hugh Greenwood. I mean, you know what you're going to get each and every week for, from Hugh Greenwood um, in terms of in terms of just his ability to, to back up, butter up, go to every contest, lay 10 tackles a game. So, But, but it's the intangibles you get from players like that. And I think that actually started... 12 months earlier when the club got Anthony Miles and George Hall and Smith through the door. And I know they haven't played much footy over the last 12 months, but but they provide so much leadership. And I think Stuart Jew often references just how much Hugh Greenwood has provided to the younger players in an off-field sense. And I think Brian Ellis being a two-time premiership player 
even though he probably hasn't been name-checked as much by, by Stewie Jew, I think he'd be doing the exact same thing. He's been to the big stage. He knows what it takes. He knows the training standards that it takes to, to be a genuine premiership contender. So uh, I think the intangibles you get from those two are huge as well. And yes, they went out and offered them long-term deals when their respective clubs might not have been able to. But ultimately, it's proving worth it. And you can probably speak to that as much as I can because I'm sure watching them with, with the, the lens that you watch those two players each and every week, you'd know just how consistent and how reliable they've been in that inside midfield role. Yeah, I, I never understood why Brandon Ellis was the whipping boy at Richmond, but he's come up to the Suns and really starred. He he does his role, he, he does his job, um, and he also brings a, a youthful enthusiasm to the team. Mm. Uh, I, I understand that prior to Brandon Ellis going there, there was it was... People were taking the football too seriously, and Brandon Ellis coming there and sort of bringing that larrikin vibe has really sort of opened up the club, and they're really enjoying their football a lot more, which is showing on the field. As for Hugh Greenwood, yeah, I was blown away when I first saw him playing for the Suns in the preseason. Just his ability to get the ball up above his shot. If you've been a renter, you know it's stressful to find the perfect place, but Zilla Rentals make it easy. They have filters for pretty much everything, so you can find a rental that's big enough for entertaining your friends, but small enough they won't crash all weekend. Find your sweet spot on ZillowRentals.com. Shoulders, yeah, and withstand the tackle enough to get the ball out, which is something the Suns had lacked from day one. Uh, I mean, Gary Ablett was did that sort of stuff, but in his own sort of unique way, which was just mind blowing. But uh, Hugh Greenwood does it the old fashioned grunt way. And yeah. I just love what he brings. And then Matt Rail turned around and started doing it as well. And I thought, <laughs> this is amazing. The sort of uh, characters we've just got in in the space of one draft. And, and the thing about Hugh Greenwood, which I wouldn't underestimate as well, is just how much Adelaide has missed in this year. And he's probably a player that Crows fans wouldn't have said that they'd miss when he left the club. But you look at their young midfielders they're trying to bring through at the moment and you almost need that buffer player, that protector who can really do the defensive work that you mentioned and has that defensive two-way mindset. I reckon he'd be so invaluable for players like Noah Anderson, who's that more attack-minded midfielder, blokes like Sam Flanders when they go through there. I think he'd be he'd be great for them in terms of he's providing it, he's doing the stuff that they now no longer have to do. They'll, they'll do that in time, so they'll become those two-way runners who lay 10 tackles a game, but you don't want to have to expose younger bodies to doing that as early as, as they are in their careers, and Hugh Greenwood's providing them that with that buffer, and I think that's something that Adelaide's missed so much this year as well. Yeah, completely agree, and if uh, if we had Hugh Greenwood seven, eight, nine years ago when the sun started, yeah. the the midfield development that would have come from the likes of Prestia and O'Meara um, and the others, they it would have excelled them their their development by so much having that big bodied in there because the Suns just constantly got beaten up in the the early years in that midfield. Um, yeah, completely agree. All right, so what's your favourite Suns win that you've seen? I'm going to have to avoid saying the Jack Bowes goal with about three seconds to go. <laughs> Just from my own perspective, it was a heartbreaking day for me. Um, but um, my, my favourite son's win is actually, I can't remember what year it was. It might have been 2017 or 2018, I think. But the, the victory over Sydney at the SCG, when I think Gold Coast had about eight or nine of its top ten of its best and fairest out from the year before, 
they hadn't won a game in a long time. And they went out there and just was, I think they were five goals down early in the contest as well. And they came out and really provided a really morale-boosting win. It was early in Stewie's tenure. Um, I just thought that was one of the greatest upsets of that particular season and probably one of the greatest upsets of, in, modern, in recent modern footy. But the way they were able to apply themselves, I think that's the first time you really got a sense that the club was heading in the right direction. I think it's built steadily from there. Yeah, it has. That that was definitely a special win for Suns fans. Uh, we never thought we'd had a chance of winning that game. And then Thompson comes out, keeps Franklin goalless. We see Archie uh, really outrunning Franklin in the, the back half to, to get the ball. The desperation they showed and to come back from the four or five goals down they were at quarter time. Uh, and pip the uh, the swans who at that stage were still gunning for a final spot i believe um yeah it was a very very impressive win for the suns so who would your favorite player be uh i'm a big noah anderson fan so noah's my boy at the moment we we me and cal have fought long and hard over noah over the last sort of 12, 18 months because Cal reckons in his role as the draft guru that he was the first to identify him. But I, I, I know Matt Rowell's a, a gun and I've got no doubts about Matt Rowell and what he's going to be, but it just wouldn't shock me if in five or six years' time Noah Anderson at least gets close to Matt Rowell, if not is better than Matt Rowell in five or six years' time. I think he's got that ability to be a real sort of 25 and two goal player every week. So I love what he's been able to do this year. I think his year's actually been pretty underrated given the limelight that, that Matt got earlier in the season. I think he's actually gone under the radar a little bit, but but he's my man and I reckon he's going to be an A-grade player for a very long time. Yeah, and we've started to see Anderson get more midfield time at attending centre bounces late in games, and he's really having an impact. Uh, I think it was the Richmond game. I would have had Anderson as one of our best on field yeah. right next to Lukosius. Uh, he's really, really coming into his own. And you're right, he's gone under the radar. Matt Rao took away all the spotlight off him at the start. And then as soon as Matt Rao goes out, Isaac Rankin comes in and takes all the yeah. spotlight. And now it's Anderson's time for shine, to shine. Do you think he's any chance of winning the Rising Star? I think he is. I, to be honest, I wouldn't surprise me if Ben King won now at the moment, just just the form he's been able to show pretty consistently. I think the other thing with Raul, uh, with Anderson, sorry, which is why he's gone under the radar, I think his, his best footy sort of coincided with his last five or six-week stretch where Gold Coast probably hasn't been winning as many games as they did at the start of the year. So they're probably not drawing as much attention as what they were at the start. But, um, yeah, I definitely think he's in with the chance of the rising star. I hope, I hope they, they note that... I hope the, the judges note his consistency across the entirety of the season because I think that's probably what's on his side from a certain perspective. I've got to say, though, a close second, and I thought he was Gold Coast's best on Friday night, is Jack Lacocious. I'd be keen to get your take on this. Do you, do you think he could go into the midfield one day? He's got such a... I mean, he's drafted as a 40. He's got such a, a lethal kick from half-back, which is probably where he's best suited to set up the play. But there are times when he steps forward and plays in a higher role that... He almost reminds me of Scott Pendlebury in the way that he has just such innate time with the footy and then he's able to deliver it with such composure. I don't know. He's got a weird sort of body size to be a midfielder. I, don't, I think his body size might work against him, whether or not he has the endurance base or whether or not Gold Coast would even want to move him from halfback now. But I, I just see some of the things he does and thinks, 
Jeez, if he could even spend 50% of a game in the midfield and, and be that, if he could get his hands on the footy 20 or 25 times every week. I mean, if you're an opposition coach, the one thing you don't want is Jack Lacocha's kicking the ball 20 times every game because you know it's hitting a target. Yeah, exactly. His last two matches, I think the Richmond game, he had almost cracked, I think he was just under a 1,000 metres gained, which I'm not yep. sure if that's some sort of record, but it's got to be close. <laughs> and this game against Carlton in the... Uh, these sort of conditions. I think he had another 800 metres gained. Um, yeah. he, he's deadly with the ball and his kicks, we've seen his kicks, he, he can pinpoint targets 50, 60 metres down the ground. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think, I, mean, I think the club would be crazy to move him off half back. I think he's a, a best distributor that the club has and uh, only in his second year, probably one of our better ball users. Uh, yep. As far as playing midfield, I think he's got potential. Definitely, definitely, maybe play him on a wing. Um, I guess it just depends on personnel and where they can fit him in. He could be that sort of um, utility player that can just play all three positions of the ground. Yeah, hundred so, percent. And that's the thing as well. Like the Gold Coast, as I said, they might not want to move him from from halfback just because of how damaging he is there. And, I mean, he might not have the endurance base to play midfield, which is fair enough. He might not have just that innate ability to find the footy 20 times from the midfield. So I think you're probably best off for the moment, at least for the foreseeable future, keeping him in half-back just because he is such a, a lethal kick. It will be interesting to see if they ever decide to move him back down into the forward line when he now that he's sort of grasped the, uh, the speed of the game. Uh, mm. which I think he's really struggled, he really struggled with in his first few games down forward. But, uh, yeah, it, it's a weird one. Like, Ben King was drafted as a, a key defender and yeah. now he's a key forward and probably rivaling his brother, Max King. Yeah, completely agree. And he's, he's been certainly... I mean, there's been a lot of positives, as I've already mentioned, but he's been among them throughout the year. So, yeah, no, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's a hard one. They've got a lot of versatile players and that's probably a good, good headache to have if you see what you Yeah, it absolutely is. Um all right, so another question I wanted to bring up, seeing uh, just before the the lead-up to the Darwin game, all the stuff the Suns were doing to promote the game up there, Cyril Rioli joined in, and I've also heard reports <laughs> that apparently he was training with the Suns. If Cyril Rioli was to return, as we've all talked about how good it would be to see him back in the AFL, do you think he could be a Sun? <laughs> I, I don't. I don't now. I think I think the, the ship might have sailed with Cyril. It'll be an unbelievable story. But at 31, I, I, he's been out of the game for a while now. I don't think he could come back and play footy just yet. It was good to see him, uh, as you mentioned, join the club and, uh, and and speak to a couple of the players before that game. It was. I think he might have even presented a jumper. So um, it, it was awesome to see that, and great to see him back in the AFL spotlight because he is such a, a treasure to our game. So. Uh, yeah, as much as I'd love to dream, and, and I can't imagine a forward line with uh, Surreal in his peak next to Isaac Rankin in his peak. That'd be an absolute nightmare for defenders, but I can't imagine it happening. Yeah, that's certainly a tantalising prospect. But um, no, in all seriousness, I think Cyril's probably done with his playing career. However, I can quite easily see him continue on a, um, a nurturing sort of role, developing the, the kids up there in the territory, and working with whichever club has the the I guess the allowances to to work with the territory at the moment being the Suns, we don't know how long that will continue for. But uh, 
having Sil Rioli work with the kids will certainly bring out the best in them and give them every chance to succeed at AFL level. Um, okay, so with news over the last week, Rory Thompson has done a partial tear in his ACL. It's his third knee reconstruction in probably just as many years, I think. Um, yeah. he, you would think it would probably be the end of his career. He's uh, been with the club since day one and got to be around 30, I would say. So we don't see too many players come back from a third knee reconstruction at 30 years of age. No, we don't. It'd be such a massive shame if it was. I think he's still, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he might still be contracted. I think he's contracted for another year or two, yeah. Yeah, so I'm not 100% sure on that. It's off the top of my head. But but yeah, it is such a shame because he can be such an important player and you need that sort of, that big body. I mean, they've coached pretty well down there without him in the sense that Charlie Dallard, as you mentioned, has come along as a really important defender down there. Jack Lukosius is able to play tall. Um, so they've, they've coped okay. But, but, yeah, there's been a couple of those players, like Sam Day is another one who's, who's missed a lot of footy down the journey So uh, uh, and, and has been a long servant at Gold Coast. So it is, it is a real shame for him. Hopefully he gets his career back on track because I'm sure uh, for someone like yourself, Shane, who's been a Gold Coast fan since day one, you must have some sort of sentimental... Uh, attachment to those sort of players who've been there from the start and you must want to see them be part of this club's success because you've got to imagine that that success is just going to be around the corner for this team given how much talent is on the list now you'd love to see someone like Rory Thompson there to to enjoy that yeah I would Um, Rory Thompson he's been an underrated defender in most of his years when he was playing but he's always struggled with injury Uh, I Mm. think he's only played a full season once um, in his what 10 years now in the AFL but uh he he's certainly proven that he can match it with the best forwards um yeah I'm not sure he does come back from this it's it's a long way and it's very challenging but all the best to Rory and I I hope we do see him again in Suns colors other news from the AFL or the Suns this week is uh we've had to make a couple of staff cuts as so has the entire competition but the surprising move of uh, letting go of Dean Solomon and uh, Sean Hart in particular, along with Prescott and Malcheski, uh, and Andrew Swallow, is interesting because uh, Dean Solomon's rated as one of the best uh, best assist senior assistant coaches. He was just missed out of the job for Fremantle last year. Uh, what do you make of the Solomon issue? I've heard reports that his uh, salary is quite inflated and that may be the reason they decided to let him go because uh, it's probably worth the equivalent of two assistant coaches but um, it seems like a strange move to let go of someone so highly touted as Dean Solomon Yeah, there's been a couple of ex-players who have obviously come out and and suggested that he did wonders for their careers careers, and he was such a loyal servant to that club for such a long period it is a shame and it's just a shame what's happening given the, the pandemic that we've gone through, what's happening across clubs throughout the competition. And, and Gold Coast obviously acted with that. I know, I think Fremantle made a couple of um, staff cuts in the last couple of days to their assistant coaching panel. So it is a shame. I think we're going to see, we might see a bit more of it going forward as clubs sort of take stock of what the soft, soft cap cuts mean for them on an individual basis. So, But yeah, I'd be surprised if Dean Solomon didn't find a, a home elsewhere going forward. I'm sure... 
it's probably pricked the interest of a lot of clubs across the country in terms of, well, this is someone who's got knowledge of being an assistant for such a long time and such a senior assistant who's uh, sort of so highly rated and a lot of respect among the competition. So, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he's found somewhere else going forward and if there's a few clubs that are that are weighing up whether or not they've got a place in their coaching backroom staff for, for Dean Solomon. Yeah, and Sean Hart is an interesting one as well. He's the head of the well, player welfare and that's something the Suns have really uh, put a lot of resources in over the last couple of years. And from my understanding and my uh, ex- discussions with uh, players' families and stuff, he's been a, a crucial part to to the players feeling like their whole families are included in the, the Suns club. Uh, that is baffling to me, just the the impact from my understanding of what Sean, uh, Sean Hart has brought but mm-hmm. obviously the club are aware that um, they've had to make the, the hard decisions and they must feel like they've got contingencies in place to continue the good work that he set up so it'll be interesting to see how how we go with that um, yeah, it's just it's just it's just such a heartbreaking time. Like I'm sure in a, in an ideal world, Gold Coast wouldn't make any of these changes, and they'd keep going forward and, and build on the promising sort of footstones that they've made this year. It's just such a, a tough time across the entirety of the AFL industry. Yeah, I yeah, and heart goes out to all the people affected by this. I know you probably know a few people that have been affected by mm-hmm. this as well. Riley being in the AFL media, um, so hopefully things turn around quickly. But um, our next story topic is another issue with the impact of COVID, and that is the AFL has decided to merge the NEFL with the VFL. So mm. from my understanding, I'm waiting for Cal Toomey to get back to me about this, but I'm under, off the understanding that that includes Southport and um, Aspley and Redland, uh, Canberra. So it looks like all the NEFL clubs could be joining into a super competition in the VFL. Yeah, it, it, it certainly appears that way. Again, I haven't done much research on this over the last couple of days, so I'm not 100% sure on the details, but, but it certainly does appear that they'll be given the option to if they, if they wish to. And there's, there's a bit of talk around Redland today. I saw some, some, some stories about them. So um, it'd be interesting to see how it all pans out and how it works. I mean, there's, there's probably a few questions that still need to be resolved in terms of, what it actually means for travel because, I mean, you'd hope that clubs would return to the normal sort of fly-in, fly-out model as of 2021. And if that is the case, whether or not Gold Coast Reserve team plays like a, say that say they have the game against Carlton on the weekend and it's in Victoria, for example, it might be at the MCG, whether or not the whole Gold Coast squad travels down to Melbourne to play Carlton's reserves team or whether or not they prioritise Queensland-based sides playing as many games as possible against fellow Queensland-based sides to eradicate the travel and expenses there. So I think there's a few questions that, that still need to be answered there, and I think that'll, that'll probably get worked through in due course. Yeah, I did see a report. I'm not sure how accurate it is, but talking about the AFL is supposedly promised to pay for flights uh, for the NEFL clubs, the, the Queensland-based clubs, and I'd say the the North, uh, New South Wales clubs, Canberra and everything. Um, and you'd think then logic comes into place where if Carlton's playing Gold Coast, then uh, the the Carlton reserve side is at Northern Bullants. Well, they've actually uh, the, the, they've split the alliance there, so Carlton's still working through what they do going forward. Obviously, no VFL season this year, but 
But my uh, understanding of it at the moment is that Carlton will have a standalone VFL side as of next year. So the VFL's still in a bit of flux as well. So we don't know yep. how many sides are going to be in the VFL next year either. No, no, the VFL's in a, a, a pretty weird state of flux as well. So Carlton was obviously the headline um, in terms of breaking allegiances with the Northern Blues, which they'd had for a very long time. They were previously previously the Northern Bull Ants and the Preston Bull Ants, but they uh, sort of split their alignment there. And, and while the club's still sort of working through what it what it takes, what next step it takes in terms of their VFL alignment, but it looks like it's going to probably be a standalone side. Again, not confirmed, but that appears the way it's going. Mm, interesting. So, yeah, yeah it- Stay tuned to that. I'm sure the AFL website will have plenty of news as it comes to light on the uh, what the future of the second tier competition for the NEFL and the VFL will look like. Uh, that's it for all we have time for for today. Thanks for joining me, Riley. It's been a pleasure chatting to you. No, thank you for having me on, Shane. It's been a, a great joy. I've, I've really enjoyed watching Gold Coast this year and Hopefully for your sakes, I know you've been a long-suffering supporter who's been through the bad years, but hopefully there's better years to come. And, and judging by what the club's managed to, to do over the last 12 to 18 months, and, and even before that, because there's, there are players like, well, I know you mentioned Jack Bowes before, but there are players like Jack Bowes who've been there longer than just the last two or three years, and, and Braden Ainsworth and, and, and players like that. So, um, sorry, Brandon Ainsworth, I should, Ben Ainsworth, sorry, I should say, got my West Coast confused my Gold Coast there, but... Um, yeah, there are players that have been there for longer than that, two or three years. So hopefully the, the success is just around the corner and and, uh, and, and everything is, is rosy from here on in for Stuart Dew and the club. Yeah, I certainly hope so too, as do all other Suns fans and probably the, the entirety of the AFL um, public wanting to see a competitive Gold Coast Suns side. Um, anyway, that's it for tonight. Thanks for joining us. Go Suns! Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores. Have you been to Express lately? People can't get enough of their clothes. They're like insta-confidence boosters. The jeans come in a temp-control fabric that keeps you comfortable no matter the weather. And the t-shirts, hands down, they'll feel like they're made of the softest fabric you've ever worn. And get this, the suits have stretch and look sharp. Like, what? How do they do that? Everyone's raving about the newest looks from Express. Just check out the five-star reviews. See for yourself and shop the latest at Express.com and in stores.